Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, streeteries were a feature of the pandemic, but three years on, they are still with us, and city planners are actually looking at ways to make them permanent. Joe Sternlieb and Faith Broderick from the Georgetown Business Improvement District are here to talk about what that means for diners and restaurants, as well as for drivers looking for a place to park. Today is Thursday, August 31st. I'm Michael Shaver, and here's what DC is talking about. Joe Sternleaf and Faith Broderick, thank you guys for being here. Happy to join you. Thanks for having us. All right, so we're talking streeteries, which for the uninitiated, since the pandemic, these are these things popping up on sidewalks all over DC. They have triggered this ongoing conversation about how the city generally does and should use sidewalks, pedestrian zones, and roads generally. In Georgetown, you guys actually dug into this with a survey because you'd actually been thinking about it even before 2020. Why did this like conversation, Joe, in the first place crop up? Well, the initial conversations that we had in Georgetown around things like outdoor dining and wider sidewalks. Now, Georgetown's an interesting place because it's the largest outdoor shopping, contiguous shopping center in the mid-Atlantic, but it's all done on nine and a half foot sidewalks. And we had this hypothesis that retail sales and the success of the retail district were sort of directly correlated with the width of the sidewalks. If you could have more people on the sidewalks, if it was more comfortable, people would spend more time there shopping. So we started experimenting with wider sidewalks temporarily on the weekends back in 2016 for a variety of reasons, mostly safety reasons. We abandoned that in 2018, but the pandemic really caused us to have to rethink the way we used outdoor space so that people could socially distance. And we got into a long conversation that turned into the largest project of creating streeteries, I think, in the city. And so that's how we ended up with spaces for 30 outdoor restaurants and and other wider sidewalk amenities during the pandemic. Wait, just just to be clear, how do you do a temporary wider sidewalk? I mean, the sidewalk's a pretty imposing piece of infrastructure. Was it like the of the wood platforms or or what? Yeah, it was there was a lot of iteration. I think somewhere between 17 and 27 different approvals that we had to get. Everything from structural engineering, civil engineering, DDOT, safety people, their asset management office, the ADA office. And we ended up with a temporary solution that is somewhat more attractive than average Jersey barriers, protecting wooden and composite decking to make them as flat as possible. So this experiment, I'm thinking in the before times, the idea was it will 
improve the shopping experience and bring more people to the neighborhood to spend more money to grow the tax base if you can experiment with widening the sidewalks. Did that work? It worked a little. People felt more comfortable during the peak times. There were some interesting and unexpected benefits, such as shoplifting went down because what the retailers told us was that people who were um, shoplifting often had a car waiting for them that was just parked on M Street. And we got rid of the parking so that the traffic had to continuously move. People reduced their stop as much shoplifting. So there were little things like that. I think it was generally positive, but you know, it's DC where people think parking is the be all and end all. So we got a lot of complaints (laughs) about how we had taken so much parking off the uh, street. We're getting fewer complaints about that today. Actually, people I think become accustomed to having fewer on-street parking spaces on them in Wisconsin, so that the spaces can be used for more beneficial purposes. All right. So then the pandemic hits. Faith, you guys build out, or, or restaurants in Georgetown build out thousands of feet of sidewalk deck panels, the gray and white platforms. That becomes sort of a, a new status quo. And when restaurants are allowed to reopen and people are allowed to go maskless, they don't just retreat. This summer, you guys put out a survey to get people's thoughts on this. What did the survey reveal? Yeah. um, So back in 2021, we actually launched this initiative right immediately after the pandemic. And we did a survey then, too, just to see how um, the restaurant industry was experiencing, you know, the post-pandemic recovery with the sidewalk extensions. And then also to get a sense of how the visitors and residents were experiencing, you know, life in Georgetown with these new sidewalk extensions and and streeteries. And at the time, it was mostly positive. And so we wanted to do another touch base in 2023, like you said. And it's only gotten more and more positive, the feedback we've gotten. So this summer we had two surveys out. One was geared really just towards residents and visitors. Um, We had over 530 people take the survey. So we feel like that's a pretty good response for a neighborhood initiative. And, you know, almost 75% of all people were really energized by the sidewalk extensions and treaties. They were very satisfied with how they look, how they feel, um, what they provide for the neighborhood. And, you know, we asked because the bid, we've been the ones that have been building the sidewalks, maintaining the sidewalks, and permitting them every year. And our permit expires in December. And so when we asked the community, you know, do you want to see these sidewalk extensions and these streeteries continue into 2024, um, nearly 80% of people said, yes, we want to see this program continue. And I think to Joe's point, it's brought a lot of people. It's provided a new type of energy on the street. And that was really reflective in the in the survey. Folks felt that the quality of life in Georgetown had improved, that there was more energy in the public realm, and that it made them want to spend more time on M in Wisconsin, that they were more eager to shop and really much more eager to dine outside. So that was sort of the feedback we got from the the visitors and the residents. And then on the business side, it was a little bit more mixed, right? Because the streeteries in particular are really geared towards restaurants, right? So when you ask restaurants, do you like the streeteries? Overwhelming majority say, absolutely. Business has been better. Foot traffic has been better. We've heard anecdotally from a handful of businesses that they've had the most success they've ever had in the past year, even though they've been in Georgetown for 15 plus years, right? And when we look at, you know, the retailers and the service providers, it's a little bit more mixed. So around 50% of, of those folks are really satisfied with the streeteries and sidewalk extensions. But some folks like hairdressers or folks who, you know, provide massage therapy or do eyeglass appointments, things like that, they're losing parking spaces. And so it's harder for them, they feel, for folks who have to make an appointment to be able to get in the door on time. And so there's a bit of a dialogue that um, we're now having to have with those businesses to figure out how they can also benefit from the streeteries just like the restaurants have. 
So it's interesting how how this is this question of like you know a restaurant getting outdoor seating and so on has really changed in DC in the time I have covered the city. Like going back to the '90s, you would have a lot of people who would say like we're giving away public space to these private businesses. And I think now a lot of people sort of appreciate that, yeah, but that is a way to bring some dynamism and vibrancy and humanity to city streets. That said, a cynic with that sort of point of view might say, like Georgetown Business Improvement District, you guys work for the businesses. Why should we trust you? Can you tell me how you did the survey? Yeah, totally. Um, So we drafted the survey, we put it out, but we also worked with the ANC, so our local area neighborhood commissioners, and CAG, which is the Citizens Association of Georgetown. And um, we worked with them in 2021 as well. You know, we asked for their feedback on the survey before we even distributed it. And then, of course, asked them to distribute it to their constituents. So we're hopeful that there was a lot of buy-in to the survey, you know, before it went out and that it was able to reach a wide audience. But, you know, within the survey, we had those cynics as well, right? That they recognized that we are a business improvement district and and we're looking out for the businesses. But I think one of the things that we think about a lot is our businesses need the residents to to shop, right? They they need the, the entire community to work well. It's so it's within our best interest to make sure that the local constituency is also incredibly satisfied with what's happening on the commercial corridors as well. All right. So what kind of issues do, besides parking do people say they want to see resolved? Yeah, there's a laundry list. <laughs> you know, I think first and foremost... Are there actually laundromats in Georgetown? Not anymore, sadly. Well, you can get, you know, things uh, pressed and cleaned and all of that. So, we, you know, we have over, I think it's 800 businesses when you count some of our office tenants as well. So it's kind of hard to keep track of what's open and what's not. But on the aesthetic side, you know, Georgetown is this wonderfully quaint, historic district and Jersey barriers don't really match that urban form. So from that perspective, folks are a little disappointed with the way that the Jersey barriers look, the material and the color. And we agree with them on that. Yeah. And and is there a, a chance that we are going to see a different look for streeteries to, to no longer have these Jersey barriers? It's our hope. One of the conditions that DDOT placed on us at the beginning of the pandemic, not knowing how long this was going to last, was that we couldn't attach anything to the roadway. So we couldn't do anything that had a semi-permanent feel to it. It had to be something that you could remove in an hour or two. And because of that, the only solution at the time was Jersey barriers, because based on the road classification, it had to be able to deflect a moving vehicle going 50 miles an hour at a 10% angle or something. There's a standard and so the Jersey barrier was the only option at the time. Going back and having a conversation with them now, the question becomes, what can we do that is more attractive and possibly attached to the, the street bed so that it will still deflect a car or move a car out of the way if it veers off without being a Jersey barrier? So it is a qu- an open question. I know you're an urban economics and planner guy, not an architect, but have you seen anything anywhere that somebody has done to make these things look more attractive? Yeah, I think we have. I think that there's some examples in the city. There are all sorts of rules by how close you can put the outdoor dining to a curb, for instance, without a barrier. And so if you have a bigger setback of the outdoor dining, if you put the tables against the window wall as opposed to out at the street side of it, you may be able to eliminate barriers that way. And I think Faith has some other examples of things in the city where people have tried some more attractive things. And then there may be some things that nobody's tried, but we're really open to. Yeah. And I think people have had a lot of time to experiment with what 
semi-permanent or, or longer term streeteries look like. So, you know, even looking within the United States and then in Europe as well, there are some prefabricated sidewalk extensions that that fit in with, you know, a historic urban context. So we're looking to that, but we're also looking to long term what the streetscape on and in Wisconsin could look like. So I don't think it's anyone's hope to have these sort of temporary decks in place for the next 10 plus years, right? Our hope is to move the needle and make I mean, Wisconsin feel like the vibrant commercial corridor that it is um, and have real permanent sidewalks that, that match that and then can hold the 12 plus million people that we get annually, right? So the, we're moving in a direction, hopefully, that has long-term implications for the streetscape in, in Georgetown. And if a, a medium-term solution is a prefabricated sidewalk that matches a little bit more closely with the brick or with the granite, then that is the direction that we're happy to move in. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. As you say, Georgetown is a, it's a quaint neighborhood. It's a very attractive neighborhood. It's got a sort of architectural coherence to it. But when you are looking at a street where like a Budweiser delivery guy is double parked in the only lane left because you've extended the sidewalk, it's not so pretty. There's the balance, right? You lose something when you expand the sidewalk. What do you do about that? Yeah. So freight management is another concern that we're hearing and that we want to address, right? And I think part of that is coming up with a freight management plan. And it's working with all of our uh, retailers and restaurants to figure out when they can actually do deliveries that make sense for rush hour traffic. We've seen that the same number of cars are on the road today as they were in 2019, but we have fewer lanes. So we have to make it work for everyone. And that might mean shifting around the times of day, right? So maybe it's restaurants are only taking deliveries from their Budweiser trucks really early in the morning before folks are commuting through Georgetown. Another way is to think creatively about how we're using our alleys um, and how we're using um, our trash management as well. So there's lots of moving pieces. It'll take a lot of coordination across all the different restaurant tenants and retail tenants that we have in the neighborhood. What I will say also is that there's very little difference between what it used to be and what it is today, just because when we had cars parked where we currently have outdoor dining, the delivery trucks still didn't pull into the curb because they often couldn't find a space. Or so during the day, there were cars parked where they wanted to deliver, so they still parked and M Street became one, one lane in each direction. It was always this way. So we haven't really changed that, but it was a problem then that we were trying to figure out and address and it remains a problem. So there there are solutions that we're talking to folks about, just all sort of difficult to, to implement, but very worthwhile. Uh, so can you give me an example? One of the things that we've been talking to the neighbors about for the last many years and to DDOT for the last few is to rethink RPP parking in commercial districts. So um, the RPP, the Residential Parking Permit Program, started in the 70s 
to prevent commuters from parking in commercial districts primarily all day long and then taking the metro in. So it was around metro stations. But once it was implemented in a few places like DuPont Circle, it spread quickly to other neighborhoods to protect residential parking. What they've done in other places like Alexandria is instead of offering two hours of free parking to non-residents, they say residents park for free no matter what. But if you're a visitor, if you're from outside of the immediate neighborhood, you pay to park and they use Park Mobile Mm -hmm. out there. It's similar to what we do. And we've been having conversations about doing a pilot, if not in Georgetown and another neighborhood in the city to see how that works. Because what that does is it ensures enforcement and it ensures turnover of spaces. And so we're having those conversations with DDOT, which has been looking at the issue for the last couple of years and with community members about the possibility of one day trying it in Georgetown as well. And we think that that may in fact solve an enormous amount of the parking problem around MN Wisconsin. You're making lots of friends, aren't you? Well, you know, I, I don't want to overdo it, but it seems to be a, a more sensible way to manage urban parking than just telling everybody, hey, you know, there's plenty of free parking. So circle the block for a half an hour looking for a free space rather than trying to get people into a space that they pay them, you know, something for. Maybe it's not very much. Maybe it's just even registering their car as being there at the time so that after two hours you leave, or if you're going to be there for longer, you go into a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it seems like a great idea to me. I just mean, if you want to anger people in Washington, yeah. D.C., change uh, their just parking, change yeah. anything about parking. Yeah, that's exactly, it's, it's the third rail of local politics, right? <laughs> and there's, you know, representation in Congress and parking. Those are the two issues. But, but do you guys have data? I mean, uh, so these, you mentioned some kinds of businesses who don't benefit from having a streetery feel that they are losing something from having their customers have an even harder time parking in a neighborhood that was never easy to park in. Do you have data on uh, how many of the people who patronize stores in Georgetown come by car that they park on the street versus by other means? We do. Yeah, we sure do. (laughs) A lot of our customers and visitors, they are driving, um, but also a lot of folks, once they get to Georgetown, move around Georgetown on foot. Um, So often we see, you know, people get to Georgetown in a car and then they get out and they spend over two hours in the neighborhood and they're doing that walking around. So there is a balancing act that we have to, you know, find between folks who are driving and folks who are walking. But equally, you know, we have a lot of people, especially our employees who are getting here on bus, right? So we have a lot of transit users as well and a lot of folks who are biking to the neighborhood. While we don't have a metro stop, we are still very multimodal um, in terms of how people get to the neighborhood and then how they get around the neighborhood. And you guys also have, uh, unlike most neighborhoods, you have this historic board, which, you know, has feelings about things like transformers and and presumably streeteries. What's been their view on this notion of streeteries in particular and and reimagining sidewalks um, in, in general? They do have feelings. Um, we all have feelings about them. You know, they've been they've been partners in terms of reviewing the streeteries every single year. So we've been going to them for design review since 2021. Um, and they're really interested in how it looks, right, and how it feels for people in the neighborhood. So, you know, back to the Jersey Barriers, they were um, the folks that helped us pick the color for the Jersey Barriers, for instance, right? They've been really instrumental in thinking about what, what the look of the Jersey Barriers are. But equally, we are forging away with a, something called an access and circular study with DDOT, which is this longer-term livability study, which will come up with a series of transportation recommendations um, that will be implemented in the neighborhood over the next 
two to 10 years, and they are going to be partners in that as well. And so we, we've been working with a, a coalition of folks from the ANC, from CAG, and then the Old Rochelle Board, which is that historic review board, um, to make sure that any recommendations, whether they're the short-term pilots that we have in place now or something that's a little bit longer term, really fit with, with the urban form and with what Georgetown really needs to look like from an aesthetic point of view. All right, so what's the next step here? What should we look forward to? More outdoor dining, hopefully. Um, our, our permit ends in December of 2023. Um, we are hopeful that we will go back to DDOT and, and the Old Georgetown Board and request another permit extension. So we'll have more outdoor dining, hopefully, in 2024. And in 2024, we want to be looking to evolve the program, right? So take those those decks that Joe described before and take the Jersey barriers and start thinking about new materials um, that fit in with the neighborhood a bit nicer. And then after that, we're looking for long-term streetscape enhancements. Um, so really big picture items that will reimagine what M and Wisconsin look like. Faith Broderick, Joe Sternlieb, thank you guys for being here. Thanks so much for having us. And before you go, here is some quick news. The DMV may have to bring in drinking water from backup reservoirs upstream because the area remains in a drought. The area's water supply monitor has been conducting daily drought checks since June. It's been more than a decade since the area needed backup water sources. Meanwhile, the disgraced former Archbishop of Washington, Theodore McCarrick, has been ruled incompetent to stand trial on the charges against him of child sexual abuse. McCarrick, aged 93, was the highest-ranking Catholic official in the country to face criminal charges for abuse. And finally, a metro project ahead of schedule? Unheard of! But you better believe it because the Green Line stations that closed for track repair will be opening on Saturday. The construction aimed to improve visibility for train operators and make the ride smoother for passengers. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, shout about it on the nearest sidewalk. It's likely that some diners will probably hear you too. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.